Hey, it's John Willis here again um, in Profound, and I've got a. I think this is the first time I've had a second, a repeat guest. I got. I have to go back and look. I think you are the first repeat guest, and oh. Glenn was. Uh, we were just having as we have these great conversations over LinkedIn now. It used to be Twitter. It's LinkedIn, but uh, we've we've become pretty. You know, like there's a couple of people I've met in the last few years online that just. I love corresponding with. So we were going to talk about one thing, and I figured let's record this. Hey, Glenn, go ahead and just reintroduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, thanks, John. I'm honored that I'm the first person to be a, a double um, yeah, guest. That's, uh, that's, that's quite an honor. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Glenn Wilson. I'm a, um, a consultant working in the DevSecOps space, or DevOps and Agile security space, I like to say. Um and um yeah i'm just a big fan of um anything that's related to security and devops um and uh as you said i've really enjoyed the conversations we've had over the last uh, few weeks months um and uh I, i've learned a lot from yourself and uh and uh, i think uh, it's great to just keep on chatting and talking about uh all this stuff and i'm, I'm really happy that you've invited me back along to, to yeah no it. it's great because we'll, we'll talk about what prompted this conversation here but yeah. Um, so when I was in London, um, I guess a couple of months ago, a month and a half ago, I'm losing track of time, but, um, the, um, we had met and you had told me about Katie Anderson's book, um, uh, um, uh, learning to lead, leading to learn, right. That, that, mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that, you know, again, anybody who's gotten this far in the podcast, we've already seen the last one was with Katie and that was just a gem. And then, um, you had also told me about a trip that she brings uh, a group of people to uh, to Japan and sort of experience the story of that book, you know, uh, and Yoshino, right? The uh, yeah. um, and and so I was asking you um, why, and, and and I'm planning on going, um, and I was asking you like, so what? Why were you excited about like her work? And you know, like what led you to again, thank you so much for introducing me to her because it's um it's great. But you were talking about um, you know, the sort of we what, what I'll call the trilogy now of lean. Um, but yeah. yeah, so walk me through like your excitement about her work, how it piggybacks some of the other work that you've yeah, absolutely. So so being a fan of DevOps um and being involved in the industry, I knew that it had um backgrounds in lean and so I wanted to learn a bit about Lean, and I think very much like yourself, John, I I soon found Mike Rodders' um, Toyota Kata, um, which explains the culture that um, uh, the, the Toyota adopted in a very good way. I'd also read some of um, Toichi Ono and uh, Shigo Shigeo um, uh, and some others, but but I think that book really was for a Western audience and, and brought out some of it. The, the, the two Carter, um, and then there's, obviously there was Dr. Stephen Spears' book. Um, I can't remember it's beyond. Is I've it lost there? the edge. Yeah, the high yeah, velocity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The high velocity edge. Um, and if you take those two books together, and I think you said this before, if you take those two books together, you you do generally get an understanding of how that whole principle that uh, the Toyota, the, the Toyota culture, how it works, and how it works not only at Toyota but how what Dr. Stephen Spear did was he he showed you um, how it worked in other industries but one thing which i felt was missing from both books was um a first-hand account of the um culture actually in, in <laughs> that, that was actually happening and and i came across katie anderson's book um 
leading to learn, learning to lead. And I just thought this is a, a great book because it tells a story of um, a guy called Isai Yoshino, who worked at Toyota for over 40 years and was instrumental in setting up Toyota production system in the USA at Fremont in uh, New, at the Numi plant. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I guess once I read that book, I, I was, I was captivated really about I'm learning more about that. So I joined um, Katie Anderson's um, Accelerator cohort uh, and did that for a, a few weeks. Got to meet Mr. Yoshino through that program, uh, which was an amazing experience um, uh, uh, for myself. Um, and then learned that uh, Katie offers the opportunity to actually go to uh, Japan to meet Mr. Yoshino and also to go and the trip is a study trip. So you get to go to study the Toyota production system and the culture that they, they they operate there and 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 actually see it firsthand. So you're not seeing it in a book; you're actually seeing yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. there. You get to see the Kanban boards, you get to see the just-in-time delivery, and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the Gembers, <laughs> everything I've read. I'm getting about. chills now. I'm getting chills. Yeah, so I, I want to yeah. circle back on on that because I definitely want to talk about the trip a little more. But you, I love you know you 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 know you we've been talking. You've been following me. I've been following you. Uh, you know, I always felt that there were, you know, I, I'd say with no disrespect to the large lean community for, I guess, people like me or, you know, people have come into this idea. Well, we come into DevOps first and then realize it all begins with lean. Um, mm-hmm. Back to Deming, but we can hold that yeah. off for a little bit. And then um, so I always felt that, you know, I always feel like I'm the, you know, they're they're the um, unicorns and their horses and I'm a horse. Right. And mm-hmm. and I always feel like the majority of people out there are more horses and so i try to um explain how i learn things and how you know the the things that sort of absorb really quick and right rob gene had asked me you know told me hey you should read this book by this guy mike rother and i read it and it was like you know you know for the soul right like chicken soup for the soul or whatever and then he like not long after he was starting to study dr spears and said run dr spears so i would say and you said this earlier that you know, you know, no disrespect to the lean community, but there are only two books you need to read. You know, they really set the stage for the foundation mm-hmm. and in the real world, which Spear does. And then when you mentioned Katie's book, I think you know what, there really hasn't been any new books on lean, at least from my perspective. And I just like my goodness, I like, you know, and I like I said in my podcast, like now I think it's three books in this order. And mm-hmm. and the thing I wonder, you know, um, and again, I think it's a great book and it will stand on its own no matter what. But I wonder if you, if, you know, I guess the question to you that could you, you know, like me and you, we appreciated it so much because we did this legwork with Toyota Kata. Because I think that to, to your point, you had said earlier, it's like a circle almost mm. going back to, you know, the, the Yoshino's, you know, four decades and, and four different stories. And I, I just, uh, I wonder, like, could you appreciate, you know, would you appreciate it as much as we did if you didn't read those two books first? Uh, I mean, the, the, the thing about reading Animal those two books, yeah, yeah. The thing about reading those two books, of course, is that that becomes that becomes embedded in us, yeah, yeah. and so we we have these ideas. And, and I think um, reading Katie's book gave me the opportunity then to 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 experience those books in a different way, having already read them. It is actually, in some respects, it is similar to reading the Phoenix Project um, or the Unicorn Project because they tell a story. Yeah, and I think that's what's important is that they, these books that tell stories, as opposed to just telling you how it is, um, they're telling you 
you know, from first-hand accounts. Um, okay, I have two no. fictional books there, but this book is really... No, 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 I, I think it's a good point. Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, because I, I've, you know, I've always told people, you know, if you can read The Goal first, then read The Phoenix yeah. Project. But, you know, a majority of the people who read The Phoenix Project did not read The Goal, right? And yeah. they love the book. So, yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I, I just think that, like, if you're listening and you can if you can take the time, if you haven't read all three books, yeah, uh, you know, our suggestion would be do it in that order. But, yeah. like, it's certainly a great book. Um, back to the the trip to Japan. I, I took, um, it was about three summers ago, I took my family to Japan and I forced them um, to, uh, you know, oh, Dad, come on. We're like, we went to the Mazda plant when we were in Hiroshima and then, we went to uh, Toyota City, you know, like they knew that was coming. I, I squeezed in the Mazda plant, you know, but they all like it sounded like they were screaming and hollering. And then after it was like, Dad, that was really cool, you know. But um, mm. but it was your point. Um, we were talking, you were talking about like it is it is really cool to see like the can, the you know, like get the real picture of what a Kanban board really does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, rather than just reading about it, you yeah, know, the opportunity to now experience it, to actually see it firsthand and see how people react to it. And uh, and there's lots of other terms as well, you know, like you, you just-in-time delivery and, and how that works, which is part of the Kanban process. Yeah. And then you also have this idea of Kemba, um, Kaizen Kemba, where, you, you know, people observe what happens. So, I'm, I'm a quite a, a big fan of a guy called Jens Rasmussen, and uh, he talks about um, uh, um, how, how you uh, um, need to look at um, work in different ways. So you got you got work um, as seen and work as done, and, um, and work as described and work as prescribed. And I think what you know, I'm hoping to be able to see is go and see work as seen rather than work as yeah. described. And I think that's uh, that's going to add a little bit more value to my experience and 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 how i approach devops i guess and devsecops yeah. um, as a you know as i as i move forward so no, I, think I think it's, it's, go ahead go sorry not to say i think is uh, um you know it's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to to go and see something which i've uh, you know aspired to for a long time and um you know katie's been a, a great opportunity for me to go and, and do this so yeah I, i'm looking well, forward to it that was the um so one, the poor tour guide right she was you know i was just hammering her you know you know politely but and she really kept her ground right but she wasn't like you know first she had to tra- you know she was you know Jap- native japanese but she spoke perfect english but i was asking all these you know like you could imagine i'm like a kid in the candy store you know what is that how come that you know and she <laughs> answered about 35 40% of my questions you know but i was i was like wow wouldn't it be cool to do this tour mm-hmm. Where you could ask all those questions with somebody who knew the background of, you know, mm. I mean, she knew toward the background, but, you know, again, I was surprised that she did answer the many questions. So I think that's, you know, I, I came back and I was like, man, I wish you'd, you'd get a group of people and somebody who is, can take you through the tour, like, like explain everything in, in the, the context of the what we're interested exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's why, you know, I'm going to go ahead and sign up probably today. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, you'll have a, a friend, at least we'll know two people on the tour. So uh, that's going to be great. Um, oh, yeah. definitely. I, I think the uh, stories that we'll tell as well, the, the yeah. discussions we'll have are probably uh, be no, quite intense. It'll be fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, pull a trigger on the contract today. Um, so one of the other things um, that came up, we, we were going to talk about, um, 
I did a post about the difference between enumerated and analytical statistics. Mm. And um, and so one of the things, let, let me give you my backdrop. You know, sometimes, you know, as you know, writing, you know, in you know, you have the sort of like what you learn, then what you try to explain to yourself in your head, and then there's what you write about. Oh well, then there's what you present. Mm-hmm. And then that's what you write about, right? And and each one is has a higher degree of difficulty, right? Yeah. You know what I can explain in a presentation. You know sometimes when I try to write it in a in a blog article, you know I just wonder did I just actually get it? Yeah, it's you know? difficult. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so one of the things that you know the thing about Dr. Deming is it it really is that sort of um, you peel the onion, you peel the onion, you just constantly you know for those who might get this reference, it's like watching the Big Lebowski. Every time I watch it, there's like, oh wow, I didn't catch that last time. And so I, I I know he's been talking about like he talked about throughout his whole career this this idea about you know the the difference between enumerated and analytical analytical statistics and he actually made that definition and then there's a Ron Moen who talked about the first time he saw Deming lecture it was with a bunch of academic statisticians and he pissed them all off. <laughs> and, and he said because you know, he was trying to describe something called analytical statistics and not enumerated. And uh, and so, I, you know, like I, I, I sort of was on this search, you know, with Deming, there's these like you have these like uh, thumbnails of like, OK, I want to learn more about that. I want to learn more about that. You know, mm-hmm. and as you find time, you know, um, like management by means or, you know, that that like, that subject or just a list of things. So. The difference between enumerated and analytical had always intrigued me. And um and and I thought I had a pretty good grasp on explaining it. In fact, I had to go back and change the fourth draft of my book after I, I had this like other layer of understanding. And it was Jay Bloom who mm-hmm. was uh, we were at a customer site and uh and he had um and Jay was just a brilliant young really not young, but he's younger than me. Yeah. So. Um, and he basically um, started showing me how to transpose uh, statistical process control charts with distribution charts. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off, you know, because mm-hmm. he was showing like what a statistical. And then he didn't go into deep into the enumerated versus analytical, but just being able to see in a transposed uh, distribution um, chart over a chart, like, oh, my God, now I ne- now I get it. I get that the you know the the one last thing I'll say is um so what when I tried to explain it I remember this quote that Deming had said something and and I'm mangling the quote but he said it's not the statistician's job to answer the answer you know find the problem it's the statistician's yeah. job to create the sort of data so the subject matter expert can then go find the problem so even the subject matter expert it doesn't answer the question subject matter expert and I started playing around with just some regular, um, um, originally like I, I brought up R and I uh, installed an, uh, uh, an SPC package and it had like piston rings and tolerance levels. Hmm. And I started doing distribution charts and SPC charts and I'm like, oh my goodness, like you can see the difference being enumerated yeah. is how many, how, you know, that sort of how many and the uh, the analytical you know statistics like uh, like a control chart shows like the why like a, a trend or a pattern and yeah. so i posted that article and i took some um data from uh test driven development and 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 container scans mm-hmm. and i you know i had to munge the data a little bit to be you know to create this sort of the 
the narrative a little better, but but I was able to show like like for example a, a trending um, increase of container scan failures in the distribution chart really didn't tell me that, whereas I could see the pattern of them increasing in a control chart. And so yeah. you had a question of like, you, so what was your question about that, if you don't mind me? Oh, my word. You put me on the spot there. What was my question? I, well, I, I, go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah. I I, I remember when I read that article, I remember thinking, you know, how 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 important it is to actually understand what data you have in front of you that was the thing that really bothered me and, and i think security is is a is a real is, is an industry that really doesn't understand statistics that much i think <laughs> um i mean how many times have we been faced with a situation where uh we we, we just presented so many thousand vulnerabilities and go and fix them it, a point in time a moment in time analysis of or or, or, or enumeration of what right. uh, data we have there um but if we actually was to record this over a period of time and, and understand the trends and understand the statistical control charts that you're, you you can create through the trend data, then you can actually identify problems quicker. So, you know, if you start seeing an increase in vulnerabilities over a period of time, then that tells you something. If you find that your variation of um, finding new vulnerabilities is within statistical control, then that's part of your system. That's, that's, that is something you have to accept. What we tend to do, though, as an industry, is as soon as we see the slightest increase, right, right. jump on it. Um, and uh, I think uh, Deming re- refers to those as common cause variation. Um, and, and then when it drops down, we celebrate. We, yeah, yeah, we've, we've done really well. But actually, we're not doing well. And we're not doing because what we're doing there is we're, st- we're working within the, the stati- statistical control. But then you might get these special case um, or special cause um, uh, scenarios where you perhaps do see more vulnerabilities than, than, than you should do. Or you might start seeing a trend that's going the wrong way. And you can start picking that up very quickly and start to understand why that might be. As you say, it's not a statistician's job to do that. The statistician is there to present the data. It's down to the people working on those tools and the products and doing the development to actually work out why that happened um, and, and start to think about how that might um you know how that might came how that came about and try to to resolve the problem um yeah. so that that was my thinking as i was reading through and, and that's uh, what i and, didn't understand i thought i i knew, knew you well enough that you like yeah. was surprised to think like oh does he think this wouldn't work but i think your point if i'm summarizing it right which was this is gonna be hard john <laughs> because there's <laughs> it such, is gonna be hard. such a memory muscle yeah. Oh, that, yeah and i get that you know um yeah that you just brought it back what i said yeah i said i said it would be this is it's very difficult to do because yeah 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 you don't have this history or pardon the that's what i thought you, you were saying historical data but you know and, and particularly security too right it's even hard like let's face it you know um i think you know if we look even at like sort of observability and i mean i guess give observability a little bit of a checkbox but but um but in general, the way we do monitoring, right, is very enumerated, right? It doesn't like yes. this, this idea that's been around for a hundred years, you know. And you know, I, interestingly enough, like I, I say in my presentation, like from you know toasters to car manufacturing to nuclear power plant, it works, you yeah, know. Yeah. And you know, and then there are the um, the patterns, you know. It's like, you know, I, I think that like I've I've watched some really really smart people. You know, try to explain Deming and just say, well, you know, it's either anomalies or no, non. It's normal. I'm like, yeah. really? Did they just say that? You know, because the truth is the anomalies, which Deming would call special cause, like these are things that are statistically abnormal, 
three standard deviations above the, the mean in general. Um, there are different ways to do this, of course, but, um, but um, you know, like those are actually less interesting. Yeah. It's the stuff that happens within the, um, you know, in the, in the upper and lower control limits where exactly, yeah. there are like eight different, pa- well, depending on the, the school of thought, but eight different patterns, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the easiest ones to one is the ones I have a blog article, like increasing or decreasing, you know, like, like, for example, like this, the, why, you know, the example that I came up with it, which is the increased in security um, container scans and then, um, you know, doing some analysis, like the subject matter expert allowed to go find out yeah. what that could be, was they increased a new development team came on board. They didn't know they were supposed to use the proper container registries. They were pulling from, you know, and all of a sudden they were getting a lot more, you know, sort of unscanned images. Yeah. Increase like oh wait a minute did you guys know that you, we have you know we only use artifactory or you know like or you know register yeah. for this um, but that that could even appear within statistical control though as well that could actually be within the boundaries of right. your open limits you know because you, you, when you bring in new teams it, it may not be that special cause it may be it may increase the um, yeah. the variations like uh, to 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 a higher degree but doesn't actually cross the line. In general, yeah. you want to catch it before. Like that's you want to catch it before, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but then, yeah. if the next one start going down, then there's no need to jump on it straight away. Yeah. But if it carries on going up, then yeah, you've got a problem, and you probably want to start sourcing it sooner rather than later. Um, you also mentioned mean uh, as well. Um, mean is an, another horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but- <laughs> I had to. I had a conversation with uh, Laksh, um, I can't remember his surname, Ragvan. Um, oh, he's on, awesome. He's so awesome. He's amazing. Um, yeah. On LinkedIn the other day. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, there was a, there's a story I heard about um, how um, uh, they, uh, in the Royal, in the, I think it's US Air Force, they built these cockpits uh, based on the average size of a, of a pilot. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, no pilot was the average size. <laughs> so uh-huh. the pilot, the pilots all like to squeeze in or, oh, or reach. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, but, uh, that, that is why SPC works. And there are other, you know, you yeah, can exactly. do mode or uh, the, there are different variants of how you can, you know, get yeah. incredibly more complicated. In fact, I'm at the place now where I'm thinking I have to go back to school and, and take, you know, some. <laughs> in fact, I was on a side story, I got to hang out with Mark Burgess um, oh, when okay. I was in Oslo. And uh, so I was, uh, he was, uh, he was talking about that blog article. And he he basically very much like Deming, which is interesting. Like he's a physicist, and, and he's like, yeah, those statisticians. You know, he goes, all those stat classes I didn't even understand until I actually got my PhD in physics, and then I realized, <laughs> oh, that's what statistics really is. And he was yeah. trying to explain to me, so I'm like, Mark, should I go back and take sort of statistics? And he's like, no, he says that you know they they're, they're going to teach you all the wrong stuff. But the the thing that I I you know, the floor of averages, right? That's the sort of mean is the, is the you know, I think that yeah. is why like standard deviation becomes a more interesting exactly. mode and why in general statistical process control charts. So mean may be a dirty word, but when you're doing it in something like, you know, the way you're sort of saying is the data is in, well, the, 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 there's at least two major points with or analytical statistics. Um, yeah. Point the the example of statistical process control chart. One is it really isn't based on the average; it's based on the deviation, the standard yes. deviation, and 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 then um, and then two. You've made this point is 
this was the hardest thing for me to get. You know, there's these things as you just peel the onion, which was um, to really understand the difference between like how variant variation works, how it works in a control chart, and why randomness mm. over the mean is the you know we might probably losing everybody right now but but randomness over the mean like one below like one below one above another above one below one above of the mean is actually normal and and is in in, um is common cause or in process so because you know you know physics demands that there is variation in all processes there's no exact measurements and so a normal process is basically some randomness that's within the upper and lower control limits. Exactly. Yeah. It's the ones where you start seeing patterns, whereas non-randomness. Yeah. And then obviously the one pattern is above the, or below the control line. And, and Deming was also very keen to point out that if you did start to adjust your processes based on a, you know, the slightest variation, you're doing something called tempering, which actually makes it worse. Okay. Um, and you know, so so it's best not to do the tempering and 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 work. You know, accept the fact that you're going to have this variation, um, but understand what that variation means and, and the changes to the, as you say, the patterns, the eight patterns of the variation, and see and see what happens over time, and uh, and and respond in that way. Um, but I, as I said, um, to which I think got this conversation started on LinkedIn was that I just find it's a hard sell within an organisation. Um, I've I've just find it really difficult to go into an organisation and say this is what you should do. Um, well, well, remember, um, Deming, it was an impossible sell in America. Yeah, yeah. He only yeah, got sold yeah. back in America because he went over to Japan. Yeah. And, and like, you know, what, what it took, it took his whole career mm. till he's 80. Yeah. And it was, it was sort of an accidental, you know, like, um, all this is in my book, by the way. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's that documentary, you know, Japan can, why can't we? That America's mm. like, well, how could, you know, they realize this guy who's been preaching this for 50 years in america was just ignored you know so yeah i mean uh, you, know, you know like he couldn't do it even though he proved it you know in during world war ii but um the other thing i i think you know i guess the reason you know and i'm so in in the echo chamber or you know sort of you know like it's hard even me to realize you know like am i just so enthralled into Deming that like I, I have no no checkpoints of reality but I think the, the the thing the other thing I learned recently and I, I think I was going to do this in a part two which was like you talked about like that randomness and tampering but the thing that like in a system profound knowledge right I, I decided that you really need to explain the system profound knowledge in an order and I don't think anybody else does it I think you have to start with the theory of knowledge which is yeah. epistemology, then you yeah. do area variation. Because if you think about it, the example, the next example I was going to do in my part two, which was um, like, what if the, it's TDD, right? So what if like we're at 60% test coverage in average, you know, again, yeah. average is dirty, but let's just say in general to some set of teams or some service delivery. And it's normal. Because then we would talk about this, like, you know, what if normal is just not good enough, right? Yeah. Let's say that we, we look at it over time and and we're averaging, you know, this variance. So it's like it is random, so which is what we want, but it's it's hovering around 60% t test coverage, right? And we think, okay, well, like we want to make that better. 
right? But then this is where the epistemology comes in, or the you know the theory of knowledge is we do the plan, do, check, act, or study yeah. act, right? And um, and so what we say is like I I'm going to predict that if I do this, like for example, what I use in this part two that I haven't written yet is like um, we use a new form of TDD training. So a new vendor came in and said, oh, you know, if I can, you, I, I can improve your test coverage with that new training. And so I, so you basically for two weeks, you do two, you know, two week sprint of training. So it's an mm-hmm. improvement sprint. And then you watch, does it actually increase? And then over like another 15 weeks, it actually now averages about 70% or 75%. Right. Yeah. But you've, you've done it. You've, you've combined you know the 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 theory of knowledge with theory of variation and then you know just since we're on the subject of system for knowledge then um you know way one of the examples is you've got to get one of the teams that in that created the original training <laughs> right yeah, yeah. theory of psychology right which is yeah. how do you sort of change their motivation to accept this new training when they you know exactly yeah so like I think that is, and then there's the systems thinking, which we just, we don't stop. We just continually, you know, approve um, as a circle, um, sort of a cybernetic feedback loop, really. But um, the um, buzzword bingo here. But anyway, again, I think that's, <laughs> that's the, like, the, the why I'm so fascinated about system profound knowledge is the more I learn about it, the more like you could take the variation and you could see the effect of like of the theory of knowledge and and watch that and then you could walk through scenarios of theory of psychology, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of- I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm doing a, a master's at the moment on systems thinking, and oh, wow. and all all four of those elements seem to be there. You know, in, in you know understanding the system, appreciation of the system. You know, obviously that that's a major part of systems thinking to to have a systemic approach to what you're doing as opposed to a systematic approach to what you're doing um but then you've got the idea that you you're going through a learning process so that's where the epistemology comes in you, you you're you're constantly learning about the situations that you're, you're encountering or you're in or which you're situated and, and and you have to you have to continuously learn about that particular process because nothing's static it's, it's constantly dynamic it's constantly changing you need to keep on learning what you're doing and and of course then you've got variation that comes along which um which i guess applies to that knowledge you know so so understanding the system and understanding that you're going to have variation within the system is is also very important um and then psychology for me is all about understanding the different uh worldviews different personas different types of people that we have in the systems and actually understanding you know what what motivates people what drives them and you know and deming was very hot on on um psychology you know he 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 always felt that you, you know you can't give extrinsic motivators you can't give rewards and punishment it's you you got to you got to find the intrinsic motivators that make people want to do well and rather than just dangling a carrot or hitting them with a stick it's right, there, right. there are other motivators um and and psychology plays an important part in that to, to actually understand people's motivators and so yeah i totally get the system of phrenology and, and it to, it totally syncs with what i'm trying to do at the moment in my own life you know doing this masters and trying to understand systems trying to understand you know why is it that cyber security doesn't seem to be working <laughs> yeah, yeah no i love i love you know we still now two podcasts and we haven't 
you know, I, I think we have to just sit down hey, when we go to Japan, <laughs> you know, the, yeah, with Japan, really, right. really try to dissect some of these, you know, because in a podcast like this is fun and I think people enjoy listening to us. But but like the like you almost need a whiteboard, you know, and, and yeah, I think you're right there. We talked about this in that last podcast is like just so many opportunities and security yeah. in, in everything in IT, but certainly in security to. To really flesh out these because these concepts are like they're 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 fundamental like yeah. you know in in my book i i try to um i try to explain that like there's just this this meta concept of profound knowledge and deming just sort of grabbed pieces of it in his career and was able to formulate it you know in, in yeah. his last book you know it yeah. wasn't like you know, it's like anything in this world. We don't like really invent anything. We sort of learn things, right? And yeah. and so there's I, like I, I I wanted to be clear in the book. Like there's this notion of this profound knowledge, and Deming just absorbed these pieces and codified it. And and I think you know, like I was just thinking, you know, I was talking about I just hung out with Mark Burgess. It's just you know when you were just talking, I'm thinking you know I probably should go back and read his um, In Search of Certainty book. You know, because there, it has like so many of those things about he doesn't call it variation, but the physics principles of scale. Yeah, yeah, right. Which you know, and, and I did you ever read um, in search of certainty? I have read it. Yeah, quite. A, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely read uh, bits of it at least. Um, yeah, of, uh, it's a it's a hard read. Behind I, me, <laughs> yeah, it's a hard read. But uh, but yeah, yeah. They, you know, if you think about Rothers, you know, the gray zone. And I know I'm all, all over the place now, but what the hell? It's me and you. <laughs> Who cares if anybody else understands or listens to it? But in Rothers, the gray zone, yeah, uh, you know that that it's the same. They're the same principles. Like there's no sort of deterministic exactness. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like in Rothers' world, is like checklists are useless because, I mean, theoretically, after you get to the, past the first one, everything's changed. But certainly after the second. God forbid you get the third or fourth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about improvement kata, you know, and then and then and then Mark Mark talks, Mark Burgess talks about scale, you know, and then you know, and then uh, did you read Danella uh, Meadows, um, um, the systems? Yes, uh, I've got it over there. So yeah, thinking in systems. Yeah, yeah, I think that's no, a Meadows, really yeah. good book too. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, all this stuff, like you know, like again, I think like. You know, searching for so one taxonomy, like I think it's already done. It's system profound yeah. knowledge. You know, I just, yeah, yeah. I don't know that there's a better way to describe all these things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say something um, a moment ago about um, what was I going to say? It was something about um, that was it. Um, so, so one of the criticisms of Deming was that he never prescribed to you how to solve the problems yeah, yeah. and i think that's absolutely right because there is no prescription for an answer you have to work it out for yourself yeah. and what the system of profound knowledge does it gives you the tools to try and work it out for yourself yeah. you know demi can't go into an uh, into an organization and say this is how you do it because he doesn't have the knowledge of the organization he, he doesn't understand the creation of what's happening right? in it. <laughs> he really should be a fraud. I do the same thing. You know, when I go in, you know, it's actually a selling technique, you know, but, but, you know, it, it's true too, is I've seen so many young kids come in and, and try to talk to people who've been working and, you know, help build, you know, multi, multi-billion dollar businesses. And and the young kids come in and say, you're doing it wrong, you know? And like, <laughs> like, I realized, like, I'm never going to do that one because I'm an old, old dude too. Right. But yeah. 
but but the like I come in and I say, you know, like I've been here like two hours. You guys have been here 30 years, you know, or you people, you, you, your staff, your people um, been here 30 years. Like last thing I'm going to do is tell you like why I think you're doing it this way or that way. Right. Like, and I think that was another sort of strong trait of Deming is like, it would be sort of foolish for him to walk into a site and say, okay, you, you need to do this, you do that. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing too, is, you know, for that whole argument that he didn't prescribe, well, you know, all right, you know, again, there's no such thing as a shameless plug. It's a plug, but Investments Unlimited is has a you know a a, 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 the, a very similar um, you know Jonah Alex Bill Eric. You know, we've got our um, our sort of our team of you know the whereas that's exactly what those guys do. They're like Socrates. You know, they they yeah. never give you know the original Jonah and Alex. You know, like Jonah never tells Alex how to solve the problem. Exactly. Tells them how to search for it. You know, Eric never tells Bill how to solve the problem in the Phoenix Project. And uh, now I'm blanking on our guy, but Bill and and uh, Jason, Jason Colbert. You know, it's the same thing. We we tried to do the same thing. You know, so that's yeah. that's. A bit, I didn't realize until you said that. That's a very Deming-esque approach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you know you you cannot prescribe how to do something. You can only give the framework um, or, or the. Um, is it yeah i guess it's a framework of ideas that you can work with um and perhaps some of the tools that you need to do to to um you know apply to the system and well and that's uh, right yeah and that's why epistemology is the way it has to be the starting point you know like i was exactly like to me like like it has to be in order i almost wanted to call uh, appreciation systems the fourth discipline you know like because it is a loop right like you know it's like you have to start off with this sort of epistemology you have to then and it's a circle really that's what it was intended to be is is a yeah. cycle if you yeah will. yeah it's, it's cool. about it's about creating um a, you know a learning opportunity hence you go back to the pdsa um i mean that's the tool that right. he liked to use you know the pdsa is a tool of that that helps you create that learning through through applying the PDSA, you 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 come up with your theories. You then, from your theories, you you get you get solutions. You get answers. They may not be the answers you were looking for, but you get answers, and and you can apply your learning from those answers to the next cycle. And so it's a continuous process of of learning and adapting, um, which is you know so important um, in these complex systems that we're now running. You know, organizations are so complex. The software we're building is so complex that you know you. You, you, there is no solution it's just a case of understanding learning and adapting as you go through it um, and trying to make things better like try to improve things rather than actually solve problems and even to the today i'm guessing we'll find out in may but um, i'm guessing they still have a hundred thousand suggestions every year <laughs> you yeah. know um because they're always looking to improve so it's not a case that they made all the improvements 30 years ago um well that reminds yeah. me yeah so you know i don't know if you had a chance, but the uh, Masio Nomoto. Yes. So, yeah. So oh my God, I just control. read his book and it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you know, that, and, and one of the biggest parts of his books is a big part of it is making sure you set up um, the whole cycle of suggestions, not just have a suggestion yeah. box, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure the suggestions are heard by the people that they're, yeah. you know, it's just, it, like he goes into, you know, again, every, lots of companies have just suggestion boxes, right? In his, um, you know, his book, he has a whole like sort of almost, I think at least a chapter, but a whole deep section about the cycle of suggestions. You know, it's like, mm. 
it's like when we talk about retrospectives, right? Like, you know, um, I know there's a weird uh, context switch, but like, you know, it's one thing to just do incident. It's another thing to do a full life cycle remediation. Yeah. Well, same thing with suggestions. It's like yeah. a full life cycle suggestion yeah. is, you know, is far more effective than just a suggestion box. But yeah, and and yeah, exactly. And, and I think Western Western companies actually have a suggestion box. And I think the only suggestion you get out of it is that you probably need a trash can for uh, chewing gum. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, or or people just like I think to his point um, yeah. is um, if they you know I've done this when I go in and do a sort of qualitative analysis and interview like lots of people in organization. There's this fear that they're wasting their time because. Um, because you know, okay, you know, you're the thirtieth person I've told this to. You know, yeah. what makes me think that you're going to actually get through the leadership, right? And and I always go back to the leadership when I'm done. Is like, even if you want to throw my report, I always joke like, you're going to pay me either way. Like, even if you throw my report in in the trash can, you still owe me the money. But yeah. the um, but just please, even if you want to throw this thing in the trash, which doesn't happen, but um. Do one thing out of it, just to show these people that there is hope. Because yeah. if you just ignore everything I just did, you just paid for me to spend a month with your company. I interviewed 300 people, and they took their time, and I've earned their trust. So, like, even if you disagree with everything I'm about to tell you, take one of the things that you think is harmless, and at least show them that yeah. it wasn't a waste of time, right? And, and that's the problem is, I think people... Just face it, these are people that do this work are really smart people. This isn't Deming understood. Yeah. These people have incredible value. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, not to make it simplistic, but a Tayloristic view of their work is what drove Deming nuts, right? It's like, why don't we just assume that these people are talented and smart and could, if we give them the right conditions, and even if we try to give the right conditions and we have this sort of, notional suggestion box and like you like you you know somebody pours their heart and soul into describing an improvement and they know that it at least deserved a debate yeah you know, like, i'd even go one step further and say take one of the suggestions and experiment yeah well there you go <laughs> Duh. yeah you thank, know, thank you thank you the, yeah <laughs> You know, that, that's, that's how I say, you know, because it's, when you say, you know, like, a, you know, the leadership team disagree with it, how, how are they justifying their that's disagreement? Right, that's right. That's, tried right. It? that's right. You know, no, you're right. Like, it's, uh, yeah, Mr. Me, Mr. Deming, like, how did I miss that one? <laughs> yeah. No, you're exactly right. That's the whole point. Is yeah, that- De- Deming was very critical of the leadership teams of uh, the companies he, he spoke at. He, yeah, yeah. he quite yeah. often mocks them. <laughs> yeah, I go back and read the Nomato if he's, uh, if he, if he adds that layer into it, very comprehensive. I, I think I wrote something about it. I don't know if I, I think I wrote a, I tried to do a, a sort of quick book review because I was so excited not to, not to forget it. You know what I mean? I was like, this was, um, you know, the, the reason I got the book, which was, and I mentioned this to Katie in, in her book, uh, Yoshino says, and I'm going to mangle this quote too, but he says that uh, Masio Nomoto is as important or even more important than Tio Chono. Yeah, that's right. That's what. Holy uh, crap. Here's a guy I never even heard of. Yeah. That I like, I better go figure out who he is. And I saw he had a book and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and get this book. So, yeah. 
it's, it's funny because uh, Katie, you can see I've got a bookcase behind me. Katie actually spotted it on my shelf. Oh, really? Said, oh, oh, that's awesome. You've got, you got the book. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, I can't really see. I, I'm sure you have a pretty good catalog there. Of like, no, I wouldn't say that book. I, I love whenever I go into somebody's office. Uh, you yeah. probably do this too. If I go into like somebody's office in their workplace, I immediately look at their bookshelf. Oh, no, sorry. Whenever I go into somebody's office, yeah, like the first thing I look at is their bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. it, it tells me so much about them based on what's in the bookshelf. You know, again, they may not keep all their books at work, but, but like, I can tell like, uh, you know, the, like there's just so much about like a person by just looking at the books and saying, Oh, yep. Like he's got that book or she's got that book. Um, you know, yeah. and there's the Umberto echo too. Like, uh, they asked the Umberto echo. had like this insane library. Right. And somebody asked, have you read all those books? He goes, no, but I can. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got an Umberto Eco book up there somewhere. Oh, I love it very well. I've got the Italian version of um, Foco's Pendulum. Oh no! Well, you do you you can read Italian? Uh, yeah, I, well, I read it when I was living in Italy back about thirty wow. years ago. It's one of my <laughs> it's one of my all time favorite books. I've only read yeah. it. I can't read. It's probably amazing in Italian because I I've heard the translate. He was apparently upset about the translation or something. Yeah. Yes, that's so, what I'd heard, and, and I think that's why I bought it in Italian and, and tried wow. to read it in Italian. I, I do speak Italian. I, I studied it 30 years wow. ago at university. And lived oh, in man, that's one of my favorite. I mean, I love that book. You know, you know just since we're, we'll, we'll wrap up here soon, but um, yeah. I was reading The Da Vinci Code, and a really good friend of mine, um, in fact, one of the guys that was instrumental in the first review of my Deming book, um, and a good good friend of mine, unbelievable. He's like, I always say, like, he's the only guy I know who's read uh, um, uh, Pynchon's uh, Gravity's Rainbow and Ulysses to the end. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so, uh, but when I was telling about Da Vinci, he's like, dude, you got to read the grown up version. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? He's like, Umberto Echo's uh, yeah. Pendulum. You know, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my it's God. Of, um... Grown up version. Yeah. It's very clever how he winds um, the stories together um, through history. Um, oh, he's incredible. He's incredible. Very yeah. clever. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll uh, hopefully I, I I don't get – I know there was – Katie said that, that I only had a limited amount of time to pull the trigger, but hopefully I'll, I'll get that done this morning and uh, we'll be hanging out. And, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I I can't wait to go out there and just, I, th I think it's just going to be an awesome trip to be honest all around. Um, so I agree. Well, I'm glad we had the time to catch up, man. I hope you have a great holiday, my friend. Uh, yeah, you too. Uh, and uh, let's, let's swing back uh, sometime next year. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll yeah. definitely have to catch up and uh, compare some other books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that there's probably a great, uh, we should probably start just sharing books with each other at this point. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, and, uh, well, they, you know, they, like I know we should wrap up here, but I, I asked Katie, you, I'm sure you heard it in the podcast. I can't imagine how many um, Ishio Yoshino stories there are of other people who have these fascinating stories working at Toyota. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's a ton of them. They're all in Japanese, though. Yeah. Yeah. So she said there's been lots of books published, um, yeah. but, but they're all in Japanese. Never translated so. to an American. Like, oh, yeah, but that's probably a wealth of like, no, it's so uh, yeah, it's cool. All right, my friend. Yeah. Okay. It's been great. Thank you, John. Until next time, yeah.